0: different tone to it or even a little different shape to it as well. And today might, you might experience that. And uh, I just want to say more briefly, thank you for entering into this, what I would say, experiment or learning uh, for us. Uh, our whole history as a church has been an experiment. We're always trying to pay attention to how best to respond to what God is doing around us, and your flexibility makes that happen. And so, thank you. This might change and adapt as we go on through the school year. And as a reminder, we haven't let go of dinner church. We hope to do that in the summer times in the park. It's such a great connection with our neighborhood, but this rhythm feels right to us uh, in this season. So, I also just want to say for this fall time, during this moment of uh, Jesus' stories, We're gonna focus on discipleship, what it means to follow the way of Jesus. That's in our mission statement, to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, but we hope to create some content and conversation during this time that gives you guys more tools or kind of reorients you and your week towards what it means for you to respond to what Jesus is doing in your everyday life. So I asked the phone call question. I don't know if you got people who you, when their name comes up, when they call, you're like, oh no. For me, it's my property manager, so I work with someone uh, who helps uh, manage some things and he only calls me when stuff breaks or something's wrong. Uh, so uh, I have a couple numbers like that. But then I have people on my phone that as soon as I see their, their name come across, maybe an old friend that I don't get to see a lot, I'm super excited to answer the phone call. And there was one, uh, Uh, moment in my life or or season of my life. It was October uh, a couple years ago, and uh, I saw my mom's uh, number come across, which, you know, is a mixed bag sometimes. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. We don't talk that often, so I was excited to answer the phone, and I answered the phone. I'm like, hey, mom, how's it going? It was like mid-morning. I had just come back to start making some lunch, and I could tell almost immediately that it was a phone call, That was going to be different than any other phone call that i had gotten before and she said in a shaky but firm if you can understand that paradox voice your dad is being life flighted to duluth right now something's wrong with his heart i'm going to hold it together telling this story i didn't know what to think or feel in that moment i asked questions i think I turned to Christian Ann, probably started sobbing right away and we got in the car immediately and I I literally don't remember, it's like how long is it to get to Duluth? It's like two and a half hours and I don't even remember if I was driving, was I driving? Were you driving? I don't even remember. I I was driving so that's probably why I don't remember, Uh, luckily I didn't get pulled over. But uh, as this story uh, came out, my dad was experiencing chest pains and back pains, and he's like an up-north blue-collar dude, so he like, tried to lay on the floor, tried to give himself a back massage, uh, finally begrudgingly went into the ER, and the ER doctors told us that he was white in the face, he could barely stand, and he was having a heart attack. They immediately went about life-flighting him to Duluth. He lives in northern Wisconsin in a helicopter because the type of heart attack he's experiencing is called a widow-maker. And there's only about a 25% survival rate with hospital help to those sorts of things. And so there was a very tense uh, few hours where we didn't have a lot of information. My mom actually learned about what was happening because... My uncle called her because my dad butt-dialed him on the ER table. And he heard in the background him getting resuscitation with the things. And so you can imagine the turmoil that my family was feeling not having information and being in that in-between. We were immediately thrust into a moment or a season of life where everything we thought was certain was up in the air. My dad survived. My dad's still here today. The medical doctors did an amazing job. We prayed nonstop. He was able to get the the help that he needed. I remember I was in Duluth. I got there first or uh, shortly after. Maybe that was my driving speed uh, working. But for whatever reason, I was the first one to go into the hospital wing to see my dad. And I remember freezing emotionally. Like, I stopped, like, five feet away from my dad, and I could not even function emotionally because my world kind of just turned upside down. And then, of course, people did, like, normal things and came up and hugged him and, like, did things. But that moment, that circumstance, that reality that we walked through transformed my life and transformed my relationship with my dad and I still carry that experience with me in the way that I see my dad every time I'm with him. Sometimes we'll just be sitting there or he'll be playing with my kids, and that comes to mind, and that 25% comes to mind. There are moments in our life, some of them are that tense, some of them we come that close to hard things, but some of them are just mundane, and each of those moments has the potential to create transformation of how we live and how we see the world around us. How we live and respond to the things around us and how we see the world around us. That interaction, that reality has changed even how I parent my kids and how I relate with them and how I hold precious the times that we have. I said earlier that during the fall, we're going to have a conversation about discipleship. And I have learned in my life that discipleship means a lot of things. Following Jesus means a lot of things. But one of the things it primarily means is having the capacity to trust Jesus, to help him transform the way that you see and interact in the moments that he brings into your life. Let me say that again. Discipleship is primarily about how we respond to what God is doing in the moments of our life, and how that transforms how we see and how we respond and how we live in our life. I don't know if you've ever had this uh, question when you've been reading stories of Jesus calling disciples. He usually comes up, and particularly in Mark because it's a really brief gospel, and that's what the one we're going to read today. We're going to read like a brief sentence. It just seems like Jesus rolls up to people and he's like, "Hey, follow me. <laughs> and they're like, yes, let's do it. You know, like, It leaves you wondering, like, what's the context? Have they talked before? Do they know each other? Or is this just like a supernatural moment where the person who's getting called to follow Jesus understands in their heart that something's about to change their life? I think it's probably all of those things, but I noticed in a particular story of someone being called to follow Jesus, there's something that precedes it that I think is really important. And this is a text that we've read a lot at North City because we think it's kind of the foundation of what Jesus is all about. And that's Mark four, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to use this fancy clicker to go the wrong direction. North City, get ready. Hey! You want, to, you want to know something? want to know something? You guys are so generous in your responses to me. My... Let's read this. Uh, I'm going to read this. Pay attention to uh, what God might be saying to you. There's opportunity after this, uh, short, soon after this, to discuss a little bit around your tables. Uh, but I'm going to read this. This is some of the first words that we hear from Jesus in, in, in the gospel. This is the beginning of his ministry. This is how he starts it. So after John, that's John the Baptist who is doing ministry to prepare the way for Jesus. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe good news. Let's read that one more time. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I've returned to this text over and over again in this part of the story. One, because he says this right before he calls the disciples. And Galilee's not that big of a town. So if he's telling people about this message, it's probable that the people he's calling to follow him have heard of some of what he's talking about. So what they're saying yes to is what he's saying here. So what we're saying yes to as disciples following Jesus is what Jesus is saying here. So it's worth us returning to this over and over again and trying to understand and contemplate what these phrases of Jesus mean in our lives. So I'm in the midst of a basement project, and I just painted, and I have a sprayer, and I was spraying my basement. Some of you all helped me put the things up. And uh, after my first time using the sprayer, I was like, it is so dark in here. Like, what? Like... Is it, like, overcast out or something like that? And then, of course, I looked in the mirror, and, like, I could barely see my own pupils because the spray is all over my glasses. And you can actually now come up if you're close to me and see little specks of in, my, in my glasses. And that illustrates for me that sometimes the lenses we have on can shape what we see and experience in the world. And what I want to invite you to think about and talk about today is that Jesus is presenting us a lens for a way of viewing what's happening with all that he does, but what's happening in our everyday life. And the lenses we wear and what we're looking for can shape our experience of everyday life. And that's what discipleship is about. If we're going to break this down into different lenses, like you got your lenses, bifocals, trifocals, is there quadfocals? Is that a thing? I'm going to go for it quad focals. All right. The first focal is time. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit and say this word for time is not like the chronological time that we have uh, that we're used to. Like, look at the clock and that's the time. This is kairos. We don't have words for it, but The words we use to describe this is like a season or a moment in our life. It's an era that's coming about. So Jesus is saying the era, the time has come about where these things are about to happen. The next word I want to point out, the bifocal, if you will, is the kingdom of God. That's an important phrase for us as disciples. And it means briefly the melding of heaven and earth. That the the will of God, that God's leadership is coming true right here and right now, and it's near to us. And that statement, the kingdom of God has come near, is a promise to each of us as Jesus followers that that's actually how the world is. That our believing in him and trusting in him is that heaven is coming near in whatever circumstance that we're facing. The next word is that repent. We're at trifocal now. That means uh, it's got a lot of shame associated to it, doesn't it? When you hear that word, you can maybe conjure up images of feeling shame and guilt. But actually, that's a word of transformation. It's, it's, it's a word picture of turning around or looking the other direction. And life with Jesus is a, a whole life of turning around, looking the other direction. You could say looking for the kingdom of God in the midst of who we are and what we face In everyday life. And the last one is that word believe, pistis in the Greek. And it just simply means trust. Sometimes it means intellectually trusting some truths about who God is. But most of the time, it means what Aladdin said when he extended his hand and said, do you trust me? I'm in a Disney zone of life. So if anybody, uh, it's that sort of trust that you make with the steps that you take sort of reality. So I want to pause. I want to hear from you. Just like two minutes here. Any thoughts on the stories that I've shared or this scripture or this understanding? What's sticking out to you? Real quickly, let's just bounce around the room. What's something or even a question you have? Shay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, he's got his binoculars. Solid, dude. Thank you. I didn't know we were going to have props today. That's amazing. Anywhere else? A thought that you want to share with the group or a question even? It's okay to have a question. We don't have to have an answer to it. Binoculars, man. Sometimes, man. Yeah. Um, I guess I, yeah, when I hear the word repent, for sure there's like layers of like, never from like my past or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I do like how there's like repent and belief. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe most of my repenting has felt isolated. Yeah. Of connected to another thing. Totally. Thank you for sharing that. Janelle, mm-hmm. then we'll do one more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. One more. Uh, I, I like the image of a lens and the fact that it is the way in which we or supposed to see. Do you need to talk a little bit louder? Can you guys hear him back there? Can you use your booming dad voice for us? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like... <laughs> Thing that you can actually do on own, mm. that it requires the help of other people to even put that objective truth lens, if you will, yeah, on your face to begin with. Thanks. That's good. Before we go into groups, I want to give you a simple tool. This fall, uh, we're trying to not only have these conversations but we're trying to maybe walk away with a tool or a paradigm that you can carry with you, sometimes literally, like Christian Ann's passing out today, uh, but in your mind, because today is about how do we actually respond to these moments. I hope you don't have a moment like me this week that I shared about, but you will have moments where God's kingdom is trying to break through, and we're trying to, as a church and as a community, uh, respond to those. So this has been a helpful... Um, visual for us that comes from some friends in doing ministry. It might be familiar to some of you if you've you've talked about this at men's or women's groups. So I'm just going to go quickly, and I'm going to use the laser, y'all. I'm going to do the laser. This is called the Kairos Circle in reference to what I talked about time being a season. And the idea here is that as a follower of Jesus, we're always learning And we always go through these cycles of pausing and trying to reflect and respond to these moments. And it's got those two words that we talked about, repent and believe, from the scripture itself. But what does this actually look like in your life? How do you do this with community, like Joshua was talking about? How do you do this with your friends? This has just got some helpful, practical steps to take that help us embrace these moments and keep growing Almost like spiral dynamics, if you will, keep growing in our awareness of the kingdom of God. So the first would be in repentance. It looks like observing, reflecting, and discussing with others. Like having a moment to just pause in your day and say, whoa, that was a big moment. Or something sparked in me and my spirit with that situation. What was going on? I certainly did a lot of that in the time, like I was shut down in the moment with my dad, but afterwards our family has done a lot of observing and reflecting about the meaning of us being together. And then it's not enough to just see, there has to be a movement to trust. Like we can talk around circles, like I love to plan things, I love to analyze things, but there's a big gulf right here between talking and learning and observing and actually putting a plan into action actually trying to shape your life around what the kingdom of God looks like coming in your everyday midst. And you all do this really well. You're here because you're bending your life right now around who Jesus is. You've committed an hour-ish plus, we'll see how far we go today, um, to uh, who Jesus is. You have things and you have accountability. You have a community in your life to say, hey, I'm doing this. I'm trying this. I'm trying to incorporate this in my life. And then there's just a putting it into practice and acting with some feedback about how that's going. So that's a helpful tool. Hopefully we can come back to it in conversation. Now it's time for you all to have conversation around you. I would encourage you this time to find two to three people around you instead of the larger group. And we've got a few minutes to just maybe you can plot something that God's doing in your life right now around this. That's totally optional. Or you can just share, hey, here's the thing that's sticking with me with what we've been talking about this morning, okay? Spend a few minutes, two to three people, and then Kara's going to lead us in some more uh, song.